Well, good morning. I'm Joel, a transformed follower. I want to have the joy of being a pastor here at Chapel Point. And uh, I want to go ahead and I told the other sirs I need to tell all of you, I apologize now. I woke up yesterday knowing that by tonight I would not have a voice. So I've already got cough drops in. My wife is celebrating knowing that I'm going to lose my voice. Um, and it's just part of it. Uh, and uh, so just know that I, I feel good, just the throat. I know, that, I know where it's going. I've been here before. Um, also, before I jump into some stuff with the, the topic today, because we're in a series called Speak, today I get to preach on racism. Um, I first want to invite you to something personally. Um, you, you heard it possibly mentioned before, but maybe you weren't in here quite in time. Tonight at 5 o'clock, some of you have never been to uh, a congregational gathering before. Some would call it a business meeting. It's not really a business meeting. Um, we get to worship together. We get to pray together. And I get to share volumes of stuff that we are a part of right now as a church and what we believe God is doing in this place and how God is using us and what we believe he's wanting to do in the future. Um, and so I get to share a lot of information just about what God is doing here at Chapel Point and also in this region tonight at 5 o'clock. So I'm inviting you to come. If you've never been before, come. There will be hundreds of people here and just to, to sit and to absorb um, and to go, man, okay. Um, because I believe that God is calling many of you to step in, uh, not only to leadership, but into positions that you've never been in before. Because we'll also what I'm asking you to do is possibly jump in maybe to a small group if you've never done that, into a community group. Um, and I think that's crazy important. God intended for us to live in community together. So right now, I hope I'm making a few of you uncomfortable, right? Some people would say that making others feel uncomfortable is my spiritual gift. Um, and I want you to feel a little bit uncomfortable because I'm inviting you to step into a small group. In fact, some of you, I've heard, hey, I don't know how to get on and do that. So I'm going to make this as easy as I can. Luke Bilberry, will you step forward a little bit? Um, most of you know this guy. He preaches occasionally right over there at the big beard. He's waving right now. I know that's for the people online. You can't see him or, um, or maybe even another venue. But come outside the cafe. He's going to be there after the service um, with this really high-tech stuff, like a piece of paper and a pencil. And he's going to make sure. I'm telling you now, if you sign up, you're going to get a phone call by Wednesday um, helping you to get plugged into a small group so that you can be in community with each other because I'm not, I'm not actually asking you um, to, to go, man, how do I live my current life and, and put more God into it, to give more to him? I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking for you to change your current life so that God can then determine what you give your time and energy to. Is that too bold of me? I'm not asking for you to continually live the way you want to live and go, where, I can, I, where can I plug some more God in? I'm asking for you to give God your calendar, not see where you can squeeze him into your existing calendar. Because he is worthy of all that we have. Amen. So that's just an invitation for you today. Are you ready to jump into the word of God? Anybody? Let's go. Galatians chapter 2. I get to talk about racism today. Um, I'm going to start there in a moment. I'm going to read some other scripture also first. Um, 
I'm going to have almost all of the scripture that I call out today, a large majority of it, on the screen right here behind me. The reason for that is twofold. One is I want you to see scripture, yes, but also uh, today more than any other day probably, I want you to be able to free your, your lap up with just a pen and, the, and paper so you can take notes and not have to worry about fumbling through scripture right now. It's going to be in front of you. Take it. We want you to live in scripture, but I want you to be able to take the notes that you need to be able to take. So get ready for this. Um, as we jump into the word of God, I will go ahead and begin with this in Galatians chapter 3, 27 through 29. Um, I want to read this to you because I'm going to go ahead and tell you straight up what scripture says about everybody. And then we're just going to come, we're very quickly going to know what that is, okay? So here's what it says. Um, it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is not male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ and you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Here's what it's saying very, very quickly. You're like, okay, what does this really mean? You can just jot down Galatians 3, 27 through 29. Um, here's really what this, this means for us. If you're in the family of Christ, there is to be absolutely no division. If you're in the family of Christ, there is to be absolutely no division. What that says is that it doesn't matter if you're a slave or free, male or female, um, uh, all of this. Some people even have, have corrupted and, and tinted poorly scripture by saying, well, they had slaves. First of all, slaves then were treated very different than they are today. Like for most people, that was a totally different life for them. And it was a completely different thing. What I'm telling you now is if, you're in, if you recognize who God is, there's, a place, there's no place for division amongst the people of God. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter your cultural heritage. It doesn't, none of that matters. If you are in Christ, we are all the same. Amen. Now, I know I already gave you the answer, and you're going, okay, we can go home early today. No. Because since you are a part of Christ's family, you also need to know that you are now a part of the covenant. Before God. That, that's what it means to, where it says that you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. You're a part of the covenant with God. And we need, to, we need to know what it looks like to be able to walk in the midst of that promise, that covenant with God. Knowing that we are all knit in our mother's womb. Knowing that we are created in the image of God. So what we're wanting to do today is to do what we did last week with worldview. We're wanting to take, right, racism. We're wanting to take, really, and it's not even just racism. It's, it's differences. That's what it really boils down to, right? And we're wanting to pour that through what? Scripture. So we have this. We're using this the entire time. This filter is Scripture. And we want to have a biblical worldview. And we want to pour relationships, racism. We want to pour Faith and finances and habits and disciplines and work and school. We want to pour everything in our life through the lens of Scripture, knowing that that's going to result in the good stuff. And that's what we're going to try to do today when it comes to racism and pour that very thing through this beautiful filter of Scripture to allow God to shape and determine how we think and how we process different things. The struggle that we've had, though, is knowing 
that this filter is really, against Genesis 1 through 11, that God created, but yet because of the fall, because of sin, we needed redemption and we needed restoration, which is found through Christ Jesus. But we are sinners, and we have allowed other things to shape our perspective and our view other than God, other than the Word. Let's just, it's just acknowledge it so that then we can hopefully surrender it and allow it to be conformed to his image, Romans chapter 12. So I would like to read for you Galatians chapter 2. Um, I'm going to jump into this passage. I'm going to go through the first 10 verses, and um, they're all going to be on the screen for you. And I'm going to add a lot of what I would say filler notes for you, um, a lot of different commentary as we go and as I read through this passage. Um, so that you can have a better understanding of what's really unfolding here. Um, because what you're going to see is some pretty marvelous stuff. And in fact, before, it's already here for us, but I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, anybody, who was this written by? Paul. So, Paul's the same guy, Saul, that's who he was, Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, blinded by a light, came to know the Lord. He's like, okay. So this was once the greatest persecutor of Christians. The other primary person here, you're going to see Barnabas and Titus, okay? So those people are traveling with Paul. And after 14 years now, he's going back to Jerusalem. You're going to hear about some of this. Um, but the other primary character here is not, only, it's not Paul, it's Peter. Or Cephas, okay? So what you need to know about uh, Peter is you've got a guy who's probably the most well-known Christian of the day. Like if you wanted to think about somebody who would have been, he would have been the Billy Graham of the day. Right? So you got Paul, who is still at this point better, more known for his persecution of believers than rather than his own faith. And then you got a Peter, who is extremely well known, even though Peter did deny Christ three times before the night of his death. But yet then Christ came back and says, upon you, I will build my church, right? So these are some of the primary participants. You need to know this stuff so that you need to know contextually what this is really doing and what's happening here. Because, so here's Barnabas. You got that guy too. We know that Barnabas, oh man, this is so rich. Barnabas is already well-respected amongst the leaders of the day. That's who, he's well-respected amongst the, the religious leaders. We already know this to be truth. We see that in various places. You can find that um, in Acts chapter 4, also Acts chapter 11. And then you have Titus. That's going to be, to, to be mentioned. Um, Titus is a, is a Gentile convert. Now That's going to be important because you're going to see the difference. Here's racism, Jew and Gentile. And they didn't like each other. It was a major issue. And so here is Barnabas who's traveling with Paul, who once was the persecutor of believers. And Titus is a Gentile convert. And then you got Barnabas who's actually well received by the Jewish leaders. And you can imagine all the different tension that's already starting to, to escalate. It's like, oh, snap. Right? You ever had that Thanksgiving? Like, if you don't live near your family, some of you are like, oh, man, I don't live near family. Some of you are like, oh, great, I don't live near family. <laughs> I just learned a lot about you. I don't live near family. Um, and, but some of you don't live near family. And you're like, oh, great. And it's because you know Thanksgiving's coming. And you're like, oh, hot mess of characters are about to sit around the table together. 
And that's somewhat what's saying about all of a sudden the hot mess of characters is coming in. And it's like, what? And you're going to learn a lot about racism. You're going to learn a lot about why. Because this is what we really, I know that the majority of people that I, I preach to are believers. Whether it's online, whether it's in different venues, or what, right here, it doesn't matter. And the majority of the people that I preach to are non-believers. I mean, are believers, not non-believers. And so as a result of that, this is going to let us know some of our very own struggles. If we're willing to be humble enough to acknowledge it. So, there's this mounting tension over Gentiles in the church. And it just keeps growing. And it's about to bust. It's about to be popped. So, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Um, I already told you about Barnabas, told you about Titus. You need to know this. It says, I went up because of a revelation, meaning God sent him. God said, go. I need you to go. And so he did. And it says, I set before them, though privately before those who were influential. So what this is meaning is, there's a lot of tension between Jew and Gentile and the racism that was unfolding and all the different tension. And so what he started to do is privately he was trying to go to those people who were influential. Paul wasn't out to try to embarrass anybody. That wasn't his goal. And so privately he went to some of them and like, what, what's going on? And he's going to them and setting before them... <coughs> The gospel, excuse me, the gospel that he was proclaiming among the Gentiles. Now, another difference that you need to know, Paul had a huge ministry to Gentiles. It doesn't mean he didn't minister to other people, but that was a huge ministry. Peter had more of a ministry to the Jewish believer, to the Jew. So, again, it doesn't mean that they only did that, but it's another way to understand Paul and Peter and what was happening. I mean, these two guys, Paul and Peter, man, these are like... These are major players in the New Testament church and all that God was doing to accomplish his will. And so he's going up to proclaim the gospel among the Gent- that he was proclaiming amongst the Gentiles in order to make sure that he wasn't running or had not run in vain. Meaning he's preaching, here's the real gospel. Here's the gospel's greater than anything else. Here's the real gospel. Gospel's greater than anything else. And so listen, you, you better not be contradicting that. Like is this really... What's really happening here? But even Titus, remember? Gentile convert. Who was with me was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, a Gentile. Okay, so circumcision. uh, Imagine the history of, okay, here's the Bible. And you got the chosen people. And that's important to know. The Jewish people, the chosen people of God. And God has stepped into that picture and said, this is, this is what I'm calling you to do. And I've called you to something very specifically. And yet now here's what's happening. As a result of all of these different things, they're, going, they're, they're struggling with other people now being included in that. Right? You have thousands and thousands of years. You have a 400 intertestamental period where people are like, oh, okay, God stopped using the prophets in the same way. And then, then Jesus Christ, through human flesh, came onto the scene. Okay? And then he's like, no, you've you got to understand. God wants that relationship with everybody, for all have been created in his image. And the Jewish people and the Pharisees, right, the religious leaders are going, wait a second. This is about, isn't this about us? 
And now you want these Gentiles who we don't even like to come into the picture? No! And Peter, you're going to see that Peter knew what the right answer was. Peter, he would state the gospel is greater than, the gospel is greater than, the gospel is greater than anything else, right? But then he would start to regress. Like, you know that whole saying, you take one step forward, you take how many back? That was Peter. That's what you're going to see here in this passage. And some of us are doing the, very, the, the same thing. So, he's taking this trip to Jerusalem, mounting tension over Gentiles in the church. Um, even in Acts 10, in Acts chapter 10, Peter was used to welcome Gentiles. Um, so Peter knew what was really unfolding. Um, so, as we walk through this, it continues in letting us know that in order to make sure, right, everything was unfolding, right, it says, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, so Peter was starting to testify and letting people know, hey, listen, it doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, they don't have to be circumcised. Circumcision was a physical act that let people know, it was kind of like a credential of like, have you really been converted? Are you good enough? Is what it became. Are, are you good enough? Like, have you done what we've asked you to do? And we do that, guys. We all do it. We all put standards on people that may not be biblical to, to determine what we think of them. I remember I, was, uh, I had stepped away from ministry. I started very, very young, even in the midst of business. Um, and then I was like 29 or so, and I, I had stepped away and said, oh, man, I, I think that I, don't know, I can't do this. I don't know about this. Um, and I was just struggling with some different issues. It's a long time ago, and um, I started getting, like, different churches just started calling me. They're like, hey, listen, we've heard you preach. Will you come do this? Will you come be our pastor? And um, I remember talking to one of the churches, and they said, listen, um, but what we, what we have to know, and this was a small little church, middle of nowhere. I think the name of the town was called Nowhere. Um, and they're like, hey, but we've got to make sure you, you have certain degrees, that you have your Ph.D. in this, and that you blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't. I, mean, I think it's great if you can go get your Ph.D., but... I just have an MDiv, which is like the longest master's program you can ever enter into. It's like 4,028 hours. Um, and so I'm there, and, I, and they're like, well, I, I don't know if you can be qualified then. And I was like, man, let me just make this easy. I don't think we're a fit. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have uh, that education. I love education. I've got a lot of it. But what I am saying is all of a sudden they put a different classification on me that, that, that I don't think God put on me. And I think we all do that sometimes. And that's what was happening with circumcision. That's what was happening with circumcision. That's what we see unfolding. And so all of a sudden, Peter knows, knows what's right, and he's starting to even declare it. But then he would flip back and forth because then it tells us that some people started to secretly, some of those influential people, they started to slide into the door, right? Right? Any of you ever had a conversation, you're like, oh, you're, you're, you've got a group around you and you're laughing and all, and then all of a sudden a mom or a dad slip in the back of the room and you ch your tone changes? Anybody done that one? Like, that's what just happened. Oh, those people are here now. It says that they secretly came in who spied out their freedom that they have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. 
They keep us captive by human tradition rather than by allowing us to live in the freedom of Christ and knowing that he has grace for everybody. And so they slipped in the back door. And I'm convinced a lot of those people who slipped in the back door, they thought that by saying, you better be circumcised, you better practice our ways of doing things, I'm, I'm pretty convinced they thought that they were doing right, that they were doing godly, but they weren't. They were actually speaking against the greater gospel. And so this, just leave this up there if you would. So you see this happening and this, this background between the Jews and the Gentiles and all these other things. And so when Paul steps in, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, the leadership is, is agreeing with the full gospel. And then he's going, wait, what just happened? They're, they're going back to where they're saying you better be circumcised. What's happening? But fortunately, in verse 5, it says that we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, okay? Because you need to know God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. Another word that would be used in scripture about that is favoritism. God shows none. I don't care how cool you are, the person sitting right next to you has the same value in the eyes of God. I don't care where you're from. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care who you know and who you don't know. We are all children of the Most High God. And so here he is. He's like, man, listen. From those who seem to be influential, you need to know those I say, who seemed influential, added nothing to me. On the contrary, he says, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, the Gentile, right? Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, the Jewish people. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic, right? Ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. When James and Cephas, Peter, right, John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas, it says, and to me, and that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. There's just like back and forth, like, does that matter? Does that matter? Does it not matter? All these different things that are unfolding. And when we walk through this passage, we learn so much about ourselves. One, and something I already mentioned, is um, we're going we're gonna to figure out very quickly that the stature of a person is determined not by their credentials or even influence, but by their willingness to stand in the full of the gospel. If you want to be somebody of true value to the kingdom. Know that your stature is determined by whether or not you will be obedient to the full of the gospel. It's not by anything else. And so we, we start to understand this. Why? Because God shows favoritism, partiality to no man, to nobody. And so here are these Jews and here are these Gentiles and they're going, well, you got some Jews going, well, they, I guess they're received no matter what, as long as they understand who Christ is, that's great. And then you got some Jews going, no, they better be circumcised because they don't measure up to us. That was the tension that was happening, and they were influencing one another. So 
I want to know why. Like, I want to know why this is a struggle for us. Why is it that we show partiality to some, which really means we don't think that they are of equal value? That's what it means. Three things. These are what you please write these down. I'm going to go ahead and get the first one right now. Three things. One, we need to understand that the gospel is greater than tradition or family heritage. That so many of the Jews were struggling because the tradition that they had been raised up in took precedence. And they couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that anything would actually take over the understanding that someone had to be circumcised. Their, their family heritage, the way that they were raised. And listen, I loved my father and I love my mom. She's coming up this week. She gets to be here in a week and that's going to be fantastic. And I, I love them. But what I will tell you is this. The gospel is greater than the way I was raised. The gospel is greater than my family heritage. You need to know this. And for some of us, I think, it's, I th I think there's a concentration of it even here. Is that matters more than anything else. Our family heritage, our family tradition. And I know I'm probably ruffling some feathers, but we all know that's my spiritual gift. Ruffling feathers. And what I'm telling you is the gospel is greater than the way that you were raised. And that's hard because we can become more emotionally impacted by stepping away from family heritage than when abandoning God's principles. Some of us are more emotionally impacted, more distraught. If we don't get to have dinner the same way we did every year of our life with the same people, then we are if someone says, you can't go corporately worship. That's jacked up. And it's because we've given greater value to family heritage and tradition than we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about, anybody at all? Can I have at least one, like, hallelujah? That is not hallelujah. Not even in Greek or Hebrew or anything else. Right, we got to get this, my friends, please. It's one of the biggest reasons I think people say no to the gospel is they can't imagine saying no to a tradition Truly. Well, this is what I've always known. But do you not understand that God has more planned for you than you could ever ask or imagine? Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And so there's so many of the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are struggling right now with racism, partly because they had a tradition that took precedence over the full gospel. And some of us have been raised with a prejudice. And we don't even know we've been raised with a prejudice. And I know, let me go ahead and put another disclaimer out there. Um, I am, a, if you can't tell, I am a white man preaching about racism. In a country that is seemingly divided on the issue. I am not claiming one time to understand all of the difficulty with the division that we have amongst different people groups in this country. What I'm saying is we are all one people group under the name of Jesus Christ.
My father lost a job as a pastor because too many people of a different race were coming into our church. But that still doesn't mean I understand the difficulties that are there. And I recognize that. But what I am able to do is to preach the gospel of Jesus. And for many of us, we have been raised with a prejudice toward others. Thinking that if they would only be more like us, then they could be of more value. How dare us? Shame on us. And if you think that the cross can only be seen in light of what you have experienced, I will tell you now that you are embarrassing the power of the cross. And so the gospel is greater than tradition or family heritage. How do you, better, how do you best respond to understanding that here's, a, here's probably the issue that we need to just unpack, knowing what God says about all of his children, is that we need to unpack the fact that, hey, listen, if we know that the gospel is greater than tradition or family heritage, you need to ask questions to learn about tradition, about if certain traditions that you have are worth continuing. Are they creating separation or or, or, or favoritism or partiality in your own family's lineage? Ask questions to learn, to discover. As he continues on with this passage. He says in verse 11, he says, But when Cephas Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Now remember, uh, just leave it here. Remember, Peter prior, I mean, Paul prior had said what? He went to people privately. He didn't want, his intention wasn't to embarrass anybody. So you know the enormity of what's unfolding, the tension that's there when he's now publicly going to call him out. So he, he says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from John, um, James, he was eating with the Gentiles. So here he is. Peter's like, hey, I'm eating with the Gentiles. He's like, in that moment, he was accepting them. Those who weren't even circumcised, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. He's learning. He's like, man, pig is good. Woo! But when they came, he drew back. When those other people came. He drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, the, the Jewish leaders. Those who said, you better be circumcised. If, if they're not more like us, they can't be embraced and accepted. And if the rest of the Jews and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically, right? It means literally in the original language that they put on a mask. And so all of a sudden, others, even Barnabas, starts to act hypocritically. What are you doing? Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So here's Peter, who knows the full gospel, but here's the kicker. The people around Peter influenced his biblical stance. He knew what was right, but the people who got around him influenced his biblical stance it's like you know you know it's right but because this guy shows up you're gonna act like a jerk right all of a sudden you call him a friend he shows up and you start acting like you're just this immature idiot like what are you doing you know better and peter knew the full of the gospel but because other people started showing up all of a sudden he's going oh no what do i do and so he reversed he takes those two steps back and too many of us, according to who's around us, we are allowing people to influence rather than the full of the gospel. 
The full of the gospel always wins. The full of the gospel is always greater. The full of the gospel is always going to take precedence. That's what a believer has to stand on and go, I will not move from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm just convinced that Peter didn't want, he didn't want the conflict. He wanted to avoid conflict. He wanted to do everything he, can, he could to avoid the conflict. So here's another thing you've got to understand, is that the gospel is greater than avoiding conflict. Just write that down. The gospel is greater than avoiding conflict. That's the second thing we have to understand. Right? And so we want to take not only... Right, our tradition and our family heritage, but we even want to take needed conflict and we want to pour that through Scripture and go, wait, if that's if it's if someone's doing something that is contra, especially if they're a believer, right, and it's contradicting what God has said or stated about about people and His love for them, then I have to confront that. I have to be willing to say, hold up, wait a second. How do we do that? And, and Peter got nervous with it. It tells us in verse 14, it says, um, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, I said it before to Cephas, all of them, I said, if, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Peter believed, I, 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 do, I do think this, Peter believed in the gospel, but fear caused Peter to fail in practicing the gospel. Now, have, you ever, have you ever said, man, I know what truth is, I know what this, and then you've done the opposite anyway? Right? Because self dictated what you wanted to do. And now all of a sudden, Peter, he knows the gospel, but he's not practicing the gospel. And so if you know that the gospel is greater than avoiding conflict, that means that you're going to then, I think one of the responses of that is that you're going to listen in order to have healthier relationships. You're going to listen to others. You're going to ask questions. I remember when all this started just really to just go to a new place, the hostility and all the confusion uh, about this subject. Uh, I called a friend of mine who's a pastor, and, um, and he's African-American, and he, we sat out here for an hour and a half at least after we grabbed some lunch together, and I just asked lots of questions. And I was encouraged because he's like, man, this is what's, actually, this is what's needed. It's just to ask questions. Don't assume you know. And so we need to listen to have relationships. Because here, Peter was losing track of what mattered. Peter had approved of Paul's gospel, his ministry, but now he started to withdraw and he started to act differently, right? And I, th I truly think it's because of fear. So this is the last thing I want to make sure you understand. And re this is really unpacking why we struggle. Is we need to understand and, and, and ask ourselves, do we even believe that the gospel is greater than fear? The the majority of people are more concerned with what others will say about them than they are concerned with being obedient to God. 
it is what it is. So how can we shift that? How, we can, how can we shape that in a, in a way that maybe we've never shaped it before? To be molded, right? We spoke about that last week. To be molded in a, in a different image, in a different understanding, in a different thought process so that our heart is shaped differently. How can we actually do that? And so if we understand that the gospel is greater than fear, it means that we're willing to speak biblically. And I can't encourage you enough to start speaking up when it comes to the fact that God has already stated, Jew or Gentile, male or female, it does not matter. Nothing, right, Romans can separate any of us from the love of God. And so we're reminded of that very thing. But here's a question I would ask. Um, do you believe, do you actually believe that the gospel is greater than anything else? Because if so, you need to then ask yourself, are you giving more of yourself to the gospel than anything else? There, the real issue with all, with all uh, issues in our world right now is sin. And the real answer to all of our sin is Jesus. Which is why I'm asking, even in the beginning of the message today, for you to come tonight to learn and to go, May, maybe God is wanting more than what I am currently giving. Maybe if I understand that, that the, the full gospel truly is greater than anything else, then we would allow it to shape our life differently. But when we begin to look at family, right? Sometimes we are more impacted by what our family will think of us than, we what, than what Jesus has already said about us. That's tradition. Some of us are more impacted by the fact that we would rather avoid conflict than speak truth. And we live in that tension. And I think the fact of the matter is the real issue is that we haven't given ourselves to the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We haven't done it. We haven't given ourselves to the full gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an add-on to the life that we already desire to live individually rather than the definition of the life that we are currently living. Right, if God showed up, Jesus showed up right now and said, man, I want you to go do this. Um, this week, I want on Tuesday, hey, why don't you, I want you to dive into this, some scripture on this. And we, we would go, we'd probably take our phone out and we would look at our calendar first and see if we have space to do what God is asking us to do. I'm not asking for you to squeeze God into your calendar. I'm asking for you to give your calendar to God. To give your heart to God, to give your mind to God. One of the greatest struggles that churches are having are having today is they've just succumbed to the fact that people are, they go, oh, everybody's busy, so we don't want to do too much. You can't do enough for God. You live in the grace of God and the mercy of God, so why would you not give them your heart? 
I'm cheating you as a pastor if I don't tell you that Jesus is worthy of all of you. Jesus is worthy of your time, your energy, your resources. Jesus is worthy. It's not that you give it because you're trying to earn it. It's because you're so overwhelmed by the love of God, you are eager to pour it out. To directly just go against the conflict. If you know something, it just will well up within you. I hear, like I hear people speak who claim to know Christ, and they say something. I know it's against Scripture, and you better believe I'm going to step into it. Because the gospel is always greater. The gospel is always greater, right? Say it with me. The gospel is always greater. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because if you believe it, then everything else changes. Listen, the problems are always derived from the same thing, sin. But the answer is always the same too, the grace of God. Can we live in that? For as many... Of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And so you better know. There's neither, there's, there's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in the name of Jesus Christ. Living as heirs in the covenant of God. Praise be to him. God, I come before you and I give you thanks that we can live according to your will, your desire, your purpose, and your ways. And so we offer you all of ourself, believing truly that the full gospel is greater than anything that we may encounter. So we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the passion that you've had for us. God, may we be willing to surrender our family heritage and traditions and our fears and everything else to pour them through Scripture so that you may have your way.